Whenever you're ready. Okay, I'm good. So am I. Am I going first? Yeah, you always go first. Well, not always. <sighs> Far from the electric floor, removed from the red meat market, I look for a fire door. And escape from the drums and barking, the rest of all social charms. Bruce. And this is Mike. And you're listening to the break in. Yeah, episode 62. 60 Deuce. 60 Deuce, episode. Season of the Witch. Se- uh, my favorite Halloween of them all. <laughs> I'm not joking. I my, really love. My least favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, well, no, I'm talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I, I love that movie. I know, I know what you're talking about. It's. It, it, it's not like a oh well it's it's because it's uh it's not the uh, other one you know what I mean it's not Michael Myers or anything like that I just think it's a a really interesting um almost like a I just like the anti corporate America thing like from the eighties that they kind of shove it at it too it's just kind of a fun book or a fun movie you know what I mean There's a, a podcast I stumbled upon recently called uh, How Did This Get Made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they do a review of Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of comedians from, uh, like different TV shows. And they just talk about movies and they're like, how the hell did this get made? Right. Uh, it's good. You should check it out. The, the, it's, uh, it's, it, actually, I know exactly how it ended up getting made because they wanted to, um, they wanted to do a Halloween 3 because of how successful, obviously, Halloween 1 and 2 were. Yeah. And they said, uh, they were like, well, well, we'll do Halloween, but we want to do like an anthology where we do something different, just Halloween themed every year. And, uh, so they did Halloween three and everybody's like, what? Where's Michael Myers? Yeah. And people got pissed. And so they're like, okay, well, I guess that went down the pooper. So yeah, you can't just take the name of something and change it. Yeah, exactly. We're so. going to make a movie called Terminator. It's going to be a, about a guy who invented the washing machine. Well, they did do that. They made a TV show about the Terminator and it had nothing to do with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, but the subtitle was the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That's true, but it had it had it had none of the original people in it too. So there's a bit of a disconnect there and too. And it had Summer Glau, who uh, every she's show, attractive. Well, every show she's ever been in is canceled. And I I disagree. I don't think she's attractive. Really? I think she looks horribly sick all the time. Like she'd just be clammy to touch. Hmm. She looks like someone who's like. About one third of the way through turning into a toad. <laughs> like her really eyes are a little swollen. Maybe her fingers are webbed. Do you see it? Like yeah, hair stringy. Like if you touched it, it would just come off in your hands. I just didn't know if I wanted to admit it because I know you're right now. So it's the fact. You can you can find toad women attractive, Mike. I won't tell Liz. That's okay. I kind of want to kick you in your wiener right now. <laughs> Then kick low, my friend. Kick low. Ned, I know this is it's, it's just going with our recurring theme of off-topic things, but Black <laughs> Science, but Black Science uh, number one comes out at the end of November. 
Oh, you're excited, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I am, dude. After what, looking at the preview, I'm pretty excited. get the Andrew Robinson cover. Maybe. I think that's that's the main cover that I keep seeing with the uh, the guy who's got, like, the skull on his hand and, like, the whatever kind of tongue electric whip thing coming yeah, out of there. It's like an electric toad. Yeah, that's a beautiful cover. Yeah. So. Black science. But anyways, um, so um, we're going to talk about uh, uh, second part of the episode. We're going to review uh, Hellboy and the Midnight Circus uh, by uh, Mike Mignola and uh, Duncan Fergrotto. And then Dave uh, Stewart. And Dave, well, the always amazing Hellboy would not necessarily be Hellboy without Dave Stewart. I, I'm curious. I, I want to see Hellboy in black and white now to see if it even reads properly. You know. Right, and uh, that's kind of why I want to get um, one of those companion books or something like that because I just like I mean Mike Mignola's pictures of Hellboy in black and white look really good, but I don't know if the actual story would be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it'd be if be interesting to see if Dark Horse publishes a, uh, not like, uh, not that they'll call it, but like the DC showcases or like the essential, like if they'll publish like a bunch of the, right. or, 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 the, or the Savage Dragon archives where it's all black and white, you know well, what I mean? do you know, uh, is, is Clem Robbins, is, is he the guy who always does the lettering on it? Um, because there's, there's also like, obviously there's like a specific font for it, but there's just lettering choices. Mm-hmm. Made in Hellboy that I, I can really appreciate, and we're saving this for the second half. So, yep, so, um, but uh, something that I had uh, asked you about, because or I think I've asked you about it a couple times, but um, because of what happened to me recently, and I'll kind of tell the story. What happened recently is that um, I had a really good comic find the other day, and uh, not that I purposely go out to try to find comics to like flip them, but there's people that will easily pay a lot of money for comics that I have no desire to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I may have made the unwise decision at one point in time to sell all my sagas back. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of people like, like saga, and I get a decent amount for that. And then I sold all my all the new 52 stuff back from uh, the Batman and the Justice League ones, and I got a crap ton of money back from that. So I'm that surprised like, that that stuff's worth money. It seems like everyone would have ordered those. Well, the the number ones because of the uh, how many times they hit reprint on it. You know what I mean. Everybody yeah. wants the first print. Um, but anyways, and so um, the, I go to half price books uh, just by work all the time, and uh, I just I, I like to dig through um, their comics over there, and they have a, a quarter area where it's just loose comics, you know, with like a price ticker on it or whatever. And um, it, I. I've rarely had a book where I pulled out of there and I could take the price sticker off and it ruins the book. Every now and then there, you'll get one that'll pull up some of the ink with it or something, but yeah. for the most part, I don't I don't have a problem. Um, and I was digging through, and uh, and this is how it's going to start. Uh, I started seeing they had a huge run of the 80s G.I. Joe series, and I'm like, you know, everybody always talks about G.I. Joe 21, uh, you know, the, the silent issue with uh, Snake Eyes. Yeah. And I was like, man, if I could find that in there for a quarter, that would be like the steal of the century. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I found everything. Like, I've, I found like, I think three through twenty, and then twenty-two through like thirty-five or oh, something. Like, somebody yeah, do so, better. Yeah, exactly. Or somebody beat you to it. Yeah, there's that too. Um, so as I'm digging through, all of a sudden I hit uh, a, a huge chunk of New Mutants run. Like, um, from I'm talking like from number one till the end of the series and I'm starting going through and I'm like, well, there's no way that they'll have 
you know, the cable and the Deadpool issues, those are probably up behind the counter. You know, they've marked out a good price or something like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hit, um, New Mutants 87, I think is what it is, which is the first appearance of cable. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> I just found that book and it was a quarter. Um, profit. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm like, well, at least, you know, uh, I'll get that then. That's not a big deal. And then all of a sudden I, and I flipped through it and all of a sudden I hit the issue. I think it's 93 or whatever is 94 and it's got Deadpool and Domino and I can't think of the other person who they first, Shatterstar maybe? I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I gotta get both of these books. And, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this right now. One, I'm not a huge, huge, like, diehard X-Men fan. I really enjoy the movies. I don't really care for Cable or Deadpool that much. And I don't like Rob Liefeld. At um, all. Not even back in the day. Not even back in the day. I, but. Well, your day started after his day. Right, exactly. Now, I am a fan of money. So, I, uh, I definitely bought both of these books, and I, and I, and I was taking them, I'm like, I wonder if I should just, you know, what, like, um, and they were, and they were not in, they're not in bad condition, but they definitely weren't great condition, because they're loose books, they had stickers on them, you know what I mean? And yeah. It was, uh, it they was, weren't CGC rated or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I thought, I wonder if I send these out and get these CGC'd, if I could flip them for a good price on eBay and I'm like, God, I don't want to deal with eBay and have to deal with the hassle and everything. And I'm like, people suck. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over to my comic place, Superfly comics in Yellow Springs plug. Um, and I'll ask Tony because selling back stuff with Tony, I've always, you know, him and I have a very open conversation about stuff. Like I understand he has a retail aspect of certain stuff, but he also will, give me advice on things as well too. And he's and he's always given me good uh money for anything I've sold back there. And um and I and I know he's going to want to make a profit off of something, but he'll also give me something equal to, you know, a good balance between it. Yeah. And so I go in there and he's sitting there, he's kinda of talking with um a couple of the other employees in the building. Uh and I said, I have a business question to ask you. And Tony's like, okay. And I said I just found these over at Half Price Books, and I put most of the books down there. And he looks at it and he goes, oh, so that's like a real thing right now. Okay. Um, hey, he's like, Mike, I want you to meet Andrew. Uh, a- Andrew's the guy who buys back most of my comics. Um, Andrew, this is Mike. He has the first appearance of Cable and Deadpool. And Andrew walks over to him and he goes, he looks over the books. He goes, hmm, hi, Mike. We're now friends. Let's go talk. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And so they, they look it up and, you know, the guy's like, well, you know, this one has like a roll in the cover and they're like looking at the prices and they were like, God, even bad shape. He's like, you know, we can still do a pretty good thing. I paid 50 cents for these books. So regardless, I'm thinking if I make 50 bucks off this, I'm in a win-win situation, you know, or even 30. I didn't care, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and they offered me $75 in for trade for that. For two books that I paid fifty cents for. Nice. And I know that. And you negotiated some, for seventy six. Yeah, exactly. No, I just I said they said seventy five. I said killer, because I know they're selling the the Deadpool issue for a hundred, and they're selling the Cable issue for twenty five. So they're I mean they're making a profit off of it, but when you buy how stuff, weird is it that Deadpool's worth more than Cable? I think because there's so much more interest in Deadpool than there is Cable. I know there's the X-Force movie that's coming out and everything, but... It just seems odd to me, because Deadpool's always, like, such a jokey 
but people love. I mean, there's a Deadpool video game out now, and everything. You know, like there's all. I don't get it. I don't get it either. But it it, it made me money. Yeah. <laughs> and so with it, I, I was already planning on getting comics that day. So I'm like, I'm gonna buy some graphic novels or some collections that I've been wanting to get for a while. So I bought five books. And one of them was a recommendation. The other four were books that I was wanting to get. Uh, one of them is a book we're about to read tonight, or not read tonight, but uh, <laughs> we will read it to each yeah, other. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Smith does it. It's really funny. He'll he'll uh, he'll read uh, he'll read some of the Batman books that he does on Fat Man and Batman. It's really funny. Hmm. But uh, we'll review um, Hellboy: The Midnight Circus, which I got. Um, I got Transmetropolitan, the first graphic novel or the trade of that because I've just always I, I love Derek Robertson. Um, and I've always wanted to read it. And it's good. And, and it's, it, there you go. And then, um, I got, uh, Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope. Good as is, well. Who is becoming one of my favorite artists right now. And then I got, um, uh, Star Wars Tag and Bink were here, which. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they. Yes. Yeah. Big, yeah, they're the they're the Forrest Gumps of the Star Wars universe. They're at every big <laughs> moment. Uh, that book's just amazing. Like I, I've always wanted the collection because to try to find the first two issues is really really hard, and they're like fifteen to twenty bucks a piece. You know? Jeez. Yeah, I just I'm like I could spend fourteen dollars that I actually don't have because it's not mine that I'm getting free. I'm, I'm getting free money to play with, um, and, and get that. And then uh, a recommendation that was made to me because I was talking about Joe Casey. Um, and I, and they said, well, they were like, uh, you know, some of Joe Casey's newer stuff's not that great, but, uh, he had a book out not too long ago called, um, Officer Down. And I think we have the hardcover of that. Oh, and with, uh, Chris Burnham. You, that was my selling point right there. As soon as, as, soon as I op- opened it up, I looked at, I kind of looked through some of the work and I'm like, I knew who this is. And then I looked and I saw Chris Burnham. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm buying this book. Now they, they did a book together before Officer Nixon's Down. Nixon's friends. Nixon's pals. Nixon's pals. Yeah. And, uh, they're, Supposedly that's supposed to get a, a a special edition release here too because it's out of print. Oh. And when it does, I will easily buy it. Yeah, because I was saying I I've uh, I tried to order Nixon's Pals twice and both yeah. times it was unavailable. It was supposed to be released last um, winter, uh, but it's never has been. Huh. So I don't know what's going on with it. But uh, Officer Down. The the only thing I can say about Officer Down is uh, it's it's RoboCop. Extreme. <laughs> um, With a mustache. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and it, it, at first I was thinking it looked like Axe Cop. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got that awesome, uh, huge, bushy police mustache. And the whole premise behind him is like, it's this cop who, who fights until he dies. And then they put him on this table. They have all these psychics uh, who could power like a city and they all rebuild him and he keeps going. He's like the perfect soldier pretty much. Wow. So it's a mixture of Terminator and Robocop, I guess is the best way. And it's so ridiculously over the top and it's just, oh my God, it's beautiful because it's Burnham and it, it's just vulgar. And, uh, Joe Casey has a, a good, um, follow up behind it. And Chris Burnham has a bunch of sketch pages in the back of it. It's, it's a good book. So I've, I've read pretty much everything I've bought except for Transmetropolitan. I've been holding the, uh, my uh, piece of resistance, you know, for the end. So, um, but man, it was a, uh, it was holding a out for a good bowel movement. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that was a fun time is finding, finding that stuff. And so when I was thinking about this and I'm like, what, what comic are you willing to part with versus there's a comic that you have and you know, you can make a lot of money off of it, but you won't 
or maybe maybe that holds more value to you than what a, a price tag could put onto it, Bruce. That's my question to you. Do you, do you have anything that you know is even super valuable, or do you have like a comic that has sentimental value to you? Well, I have uh, I have a 24 hour comic book that Eric Larson did. One, oh, that, one side of it's Larson, the other side's uh, Chris Iliopoulos. What's the uh, What's the name of that? I can't think of what it was called. It was um, I don't. It's laying on the other side of the room. Her, uh, it, uh, Hercules something or whatever. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, I've I've been trying to track that one down because I thought that looked pretty cool too. Yeah, uh, uh, I had Eric Larson sign it in Chicago uh, years and years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "Oh, so you're the one guy who bought this?" And I told him like, "This book is just it's it's inspiring and educational." And uh, he's like, it was a huge pain in the ass to do. I'm never going to do it again. He's like, and we lost money on it. <laughs> like, jeez. But, I mean, that's that and uh, the Hellboy sketchbook my wife bought me are like my, my the prize of the prizes. And then um, I, w- I would say after that, like my Shade the Changing Man run, I have all the issues of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that series. And I have every issue of Generation uh, X. Yeah, because you... you- yeah, that we talked about. Both that. of those are Chris Michello. Yeah, that's that's your inspiration for art right there. So yeah, those books made me think I should do this. Right. So I mean, those are like the 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 two, you know, the uh, the sketchbook, the sign book, and then those two runs. Outside of that, you know, I, I I really need to track down like my first issue. My first comic book ever was a it was an issue of Spider Man. It had uh, oh, who was the guy that uh, cloned Gwen Stacy? Oh. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I can't think of the same. Gray, fuzzy-looking dude. Yeah. Uh, my first issue it was him and Spider-Man fighting in the sewer on the cover, hmm. and I think that was a reprint. That's hmm. a that's the first comic book I ever read. Okay. Uh, I still have that. I, I I bagged and boarded it a couple years ago. Just because. Well, it's like, well, yeah, I should keep this. This is my first comic. Right. Oh, I have. Uh, I get the uh, the Speedball miniseries by uh, Ditko. Oh, nice. Oh, and uh, uh, Sean bought me the uh, Shade the Changing Man series, the individual issues from uh, oh, really? Ditko as well. So I've got those laying around. So I've got some comic books that I think are worth money or the comics that mean something to me. Now, whether I would sell them, I mean, I, it, it depends on how much money I was offered and what what situation I was in financially. Right. I, you've seen my basement. I've got all this original art around here. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if I lose my job or I'm desperate or something, that that's that uh, Eric Larson Spider-Man page is like my retirement fund, you know? Right. Yeah, that that's a beautiful page too. Regrettably, it's him and Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell's Solo anymore? Um, my first comic that I actually had was before I actually started collecting comics, but I, I can remember a couple of comics that I had uh, early. Uh, Early on, and uh, one of them was um, Uncanny X-Men, and I, and I just pulled up the number because I had to know what it was, 296, which was part – hold on. It's part of the Executioner's Song. <laughs> wow. Not, um, a, not a good comic to start out with. I know, um, but I'll tell you why I, I bought this comic, because I love the, uh, the X-Men, the animated series. So this came out in January of 93, so X-Men the Animated Series is like in full swing. Yep. And it has this picture of, and I didn't know who, who Strife was at the time, but Strife's got, he's standing out over top of Cyclops and Jean Grey, and Cyclops is holding, uh, which I'm guessing is, I and, I and I still don't know, because I think I read the Executioner song once, and I was like, wow, this is convoluted, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> um, 
but I, I thought it was like a like a replica of their baby because it, isn't Strife a clone of Cable? Isn't that what? Yep. Okay. So who, I think who did not have the uh, techno organic virus? Right. And it was just um I just remember like very specific moments of this book because I was like the one person who didn't like Wolverine and the X-Men <laughs> for some reason when I was younger. I really liked Cyclops and Jean Grey. I liked that, the, that pairing together. Yeah. Um, it's just probably my early love of redheads is really what it was coming down to. But, um, there's a, there's a, there's a scene in it that I just can always remember vividly where they're rescuing this kid and they're running and jumping. And it's like, as they're jumping off, it doesn't make any sense, but they're kissing while they're doing it. And I'm like, that image is always stuck in my head from this book. Uh, and it was by uh, Scott Liddell and Brandon Peterson, and Terry Austin inked it. Wow. Yeah. And then I had That's a... back when Brandon Peterson was actually drawing. Yeah. And then um, I have a uh, a Marvel Comics Presents book, and uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but this will actually make you a little happy that I did have some better art influence early in my life. It was uh, when Sam Keith was drawing the Wolverine back up in it. Yeah, or the, uh, and it was him and Venom where they were. Um, I can't remember. They got stuck in like the uh, the uh, the Badlands or something. I can't remember what it was or what. But it's Sam Keith's artwork, and it is just bizarre. Like I think he did the breakdowns, and somebody else did the finishes. But um, was it kind, Loeb? Like what William Miser Loeb did a lot of his uh, like finishes and inks back in the day. I will uh, find out real quick. I, I I love the way Sam Keith drew Wolverine. I, yeah. I always regretted that they they thinned up Wolverine and made him more attractive. <laughs> it's like he should look ugly. Yep. And uh, that's why I like Derek Robertson drawing Wolverine too, because <laughs> he uh, that did not go over well. It did not, but it made perfect sense though. Uh, the claws in the web. That was part of this thing. Um, let's see. Find the cover for this, and I'll send it to you because it's. I don't like the cover. I never did like the cover of this book because I it looked just at the just Venom and uh, Wolverine have this really kind of like kind of erotic look to each other that I didn't understand. <laughs> this erotic look. Yeah, I, here I'll send this the, the link to you here real quick, and you can take a look at it. But it's uh yeah, I remember that one, and then I had two early issues of Spawn from I think it was uh, the one with uh, Sight. Uh, Cygor, or an, um, who was the guy uh, that Rob Liefeld co-created with? Oh, uh, Kill. Uh, over, over, overkill. Kill. Yeah, I have those two issues. I would not, go. looking at this cover you're talking about, um, Marvel Comics presents Wolverine and Venom, number 120. Yeah. Or Marvel Comics presents 120. Uh, yeah. That doesn't look too sexual. Just the way Wolverine was, like, leaning back and, like... <laughs> Venom's like holding his arm up like they're about to tango. Yeah, the creepier parts like Venom. I, I like the fact he's like holding Wolverine's claws, trying to use them yeah, against like, whatever the hell that is they're fighting. I don't know some weird Sam Keith creation. It, it's the Max. Is that what that is? I don't know. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. The Max, I got you. Um, but yeah, so um, but um, one of my one of my favorite comics that I own right now though is that I actually found an original. Like, like, I, it's not a, like from a like a trade or anything like that. But I actually have the original. I think it's Superman Annual Number Ten. It's the one written by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Yeah, it's the, the, uh, the man, the man who had everything. Yep. Oh my God. Man, that's a sad story. That's a beautiful. It's a beautiful book, though. Did that you see a, the uh, the animated version of that? Yeah, it's really good. Um, but that's a beautiful book. I found that for a quarter at half price books. That's like one of my finds that I'll like 
Like, I won't get rid of that book because that's a great story. Um, and then I, um, because of Justin, I have so many of the Wolfman Perez Teen Titan stuff and like, I, I just can't part with that because that, that's comic telling at its finest, if you ask me. Have you read the, uh, the current Teen Titans? <sighs> On and off. Like, I still buy it sometimes and I'm like, there's, like, I enjoy the story aspect of it, but the dialogue is atrocious and the artwork is hit and miss, depending on who's doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't like Red Robin's costume is one of my biggest things. It's, like, I don't like It's that. unnecessary. I don't need, he doesn't need the wings and the wings are, are blades that he can cut stuff with and I'm like, that's just, yeah. I, I want him to have the, um, the, or the, uh, the collapsible bow staff again. Yeah. And, uh, I don't care if he's in the Red Robin costume that he had at the end of the Robin series where he was actually dressed up like the Kingdom Come Robin. Yeah. I thought, I, I was cool with that costume. I like that cowl. Yeah, exactly. It, that made perfect sense because that's the progression to Batman. Right? Cause he's yeah. wearing the cowl now. Now, do you, do you and, uh, Ethan watch, uh, Teen Titans Go? Uh, we have, yeah, we do watch it. Does Ethan like it? Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> so it makes me pretty happy. Yeah, uh, yeah Crichton loves it. He's crazy about Beast Boy. Yeah. I, I saw you post something that you were trying to find Beast Boy toys. Oh, like yeah, those toys are so expensive. Uh, I'll keep an eye at you for, uh, at my day job to see if I can find, um, when, um, I'm sure that they're going to release some kind of toy line here before long. Or if I find something at Hot Topic for you, I'll let you know. So Yeah, let, let me know, because I've been scouring Amazon, and just right. everything's so freaking expensive, I don't get it. Um, but, uh, I, I think it, it's weird to go back and look at like the comics that got us into it, or the comics that we love, mm-hmm. and then to try to follow them up today. Like Those comics haven't aged with us. No. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, most comics nowadays are, you know, for 40-year-olds or whatever, you know, the comics are, you know, everyone's like, oh, they, they, you know, they need Superman to age along with you or, you know, no one wants to read about Spider-Man having problems with a a wife or whatever. And all my favorite comics don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and half those characters are forgotten. Right. What's the point of that? Like, I was excited about Justice League Dark because it had Shade the Changing Man in it. And that series did nothing but disappoint me. It got better though. A lot of people said when uh, Jeff Lemire took over. Is it still? In existence? It's still. Yeah, it's still. I mean, it's part of the the crossover with Forever Evil right now and everything. Cause yeah, it, it, I don't. I don't need that in my life. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, that was the whole point of it. Is like all three Justice Leagues uh, were. I mean, I guess we're trying to figure out what Pandora's box was, and it was the gateway to. I thought that was like Trinity of Sin or something. Yeah. The, the, well, it was the Trinity War. Okay, and then so that's that when Trinity of Sin started off of that, yeah. Okay, and then Forever Evil is going to lead into... I don't know. Hopefully nothing. <laughs> Forever Evil will be done in February or March, so sooner the better. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, maybe maybe Shade will get a, a book out of this if there's enough interest for it, though. I mean, Constantine did. Yeah, but he had a book before, too. Yeah, but it wasn't in DC continuity, this is. Yeah. Well, or whatever continuity they're in these days anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's still a sore subject for some people. <laughs> yep. But uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, put a pin in it right there, and we'll come back and we'll talk uh, some ultra awesomeness, though. So. Woo! Ah, crap. Welcome back. Yeah. Oopsie daisy. I say ah, crap, because that is a uh, that is um that is a good line from uh, one of our favorite characters, Bruce. That you and I share together. Mr. Hell and Mr. Boy? 
Mr. Hellboy, uh, created by the always wonderful and very extremely talented Mike Mignola. Or Mignola, however you want to say his name. It's the way Guillermo del Toro always says it. Uh, Mike Mignola? <laughs> Mignola. Um, Which he, he only did the cover of this. Yep. Book we're going to talk about uh, right. Hellboy, the Midnight Circus. Uh, it's a gorgeous cover, though. Yeah, it is. Um, and then uh, the the art is by one of his collaborators that he worked on. Let's see, he did Hellboy uh, Darkness Calls, Hellboy uh, The Wild Hunt, Hellboy The Fury, and Hellboy The Storm, yeah. which are some of the – which, if you really think about it, when you think of the, the main – uh, overarching story of Hellboy, like Duncan Fergardo, or, or Fergardo was the, was pretty much the fill-in for Mike while he was doing so much other stuff. Um, and, and the guy's good. Oh, he's really he's good. He's always been good. Did you ever read, uh, the series him and Peter Milligan did, Enigma? No. Is that with the E, too? Is that spelled Enigma? Like that? Yeah. 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 Which I thought it was like, oh, was this the Riddler? And yeah. nope, not the Riddler at all. But a good book, huh? Great book. And then he did, uh, didn't he do the, um, the reboot after Crisis with uh, Grant Morrison on uh, Kid Eternity. Yes. Yep. That was um, that was early. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's is he Italian, right? He's Italian, if I'm not mistaken. No clue. Um, all I know is his artwork. No clue. His artwork is um, closer to Mignola's, but not not exactly Mignola's. But this book, no, I would say the the pacing is spot on though. Right, like panel panel for panel, you're like, yep, okay, this is this squarely takes place in the Hellboy universe. Right. Well, the one thing that's really interesting is how some of it looks like it's uh, the normal Hellboy coloring, and then the rest of it looks like it's painted. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, like wash, some gray tones, and that's what I was taught when me and you had spoken uh, via text about this when we when you first told me to read it. And uh, I told you, it, it parts of it make me think of the Goon, the Eric mm-hmm. Powell series. Yep. Because it is that that uh, wash that's been colored over top of, and you know, it, it, you have the whole circus thing going on in the background. Right. So it's 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 very different. And I'm going through looking at the book now while we're talking. It's you know, Hellboy. He climbs over this little uh, rock fence, and all of a sudden, he's uh, like watercolored. Right. It's like as soon as he enters the circus, everything changes, and it's still. I mean, the, clearly, it's the, you know the proportions are still there. The lighting's the same. It's just now the world is a little dingier. Right, and it, it's and it there's a uh, some cool stuff in where um, uh, the professor and the rest of BPRD is looking for Hellboy, and Hellboy is running away from those um, uh, circus murderers. Yeah, and he uh, like they keep going back and forth between the colors. Like, like you can only you can I can almost imagine this if this was a movie. That um, I think of like um, the way seventies and eighties horror films were done, where when they wanted to add an eeriness, there was it's just like dense fog. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And so it's like I can just imagine uh, Professor Broom uh, looking in the exact area where Hellboy is, and it's like clear night, it's crystal clear, and you know it's a, a big moon and everything like that. And then every time they show Hellboy, it would just be ultra dense, thick fog with like um, just shadows everywhere. Yep. And um it's it's really well done. Like I mean, uh this this book is 
beautiful. Uh, it's a great story. It's it's an earlier adventure from when Hellboy was a kid. Yeah, it's but, like a prequel type of thing. It's it sets up some elements. But yeah, it, it and I don't know. Do you, do you want to spoil on here? Sure. I mean, but the cool thing is the 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 person in disguise the entire time is Rasputin. Yeah, and and, and uh, the uh, the witch. The witch, yeah. Um, are you are you talking about Baba Yaga? No, it's not Baba Yaga. It's uh, not not the one, the one who set him up to die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, damn it. Not Baba Yaga, because Baba Yaga was a old lady without legs. Yeah, she's the one who the uh, Hellboy gave her back her eye. Yeah, because he took that. That was that was a good little uh story too. The, I mean, really, there's I've not read something from Hellboy that I haven't at least enjoyed to some degree. <laughs> um, but hey, they don't have realistic characters. Uh, a, a thing that still throws me, uh, and I've been reading Hellboy since it first came out, the fact that he doesn't have pupils. Hellboy? Yeah. Well, I mean, that he's still a- just gets to me. You know, I'm going through in the the really painted, beautiful stuff, and then he just has these big yellow. Eyes. They gave, uh, they made sure, like, like, they didn't do that, they didn't cover up, uh, what's his name's eyes, um, Perlman's eyes, did they? I don't think so. I, he had pupils. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But Hellboy just has these big yellow eyes. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's a little thing, but it's like that, that's kind of distracting to me. Is it, uh, is it, uh, Aster, Astaroth? Is that the witch? That sounds right, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Let's take a look here. Uh, nope, he's just a demon. I think he's like uh he's the Grand Duke of Hell. Hold on, let's see. No, I'm talking about the female. I know who you're talking about. I'm okay. trying to get there. There's, uh, it's just I like how much he ties in together and everything like that. It's beautiful, even the whole thing about right. uh, monkeys. Yeah, and then uh, the Pinocchio. I ain't of any old monkeys. Nimue. Yes, that's the witch. Yep, queen of the witches and the self-proclaimed goddess of war. Yes, She's yes. the one who's like born out of blood in the um. Yes. At the end of Wild Hunt, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'll say yes. Okay. So you you've been picking up Hellboy since it began in '92, three, right? Yeah, this is 20 years this year. So. Yep. Um. So you have the first issue of Seed of Destruction. Ah, uh, somewhere, yes. Oh, see. That, that, that's back when I was, uh, buying books, like, every Wednesday. Right. Well, so, I mean, how is that not on your, your list of top-owned books? Because <laughs> I don't remember where it is. Oh, nice. I, I could have loaned it to somebody or just not thought it would ever be worth anything. I'm not a collector. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a, a buyer and a reader. Right. It's just here in the last couple of years, I've been like, you know, I should put these things in boxes. Right. Like you've 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 been to my house, you've been down in my basement, and I've just got not not even a long box full of comics. Just, I've just got like over there's like a, a diaper box full of comics. Yeah, that's what I use a lot of times too, man. When yeah. you have kids, you got to make it work sometimes, yes. you know. So, um, so okay, since we we kind of loosely reviewed this book, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of like um. I think this is one of the the books that I think I really liked about it too, where the horror nature really stood out, yeah. and and also um, that fantasy element of when you're you know when you're a kid, 
and you like watch Pinocchio for the first time and he goes to that circus and, or that carnival or whatever. Yeah. And they all become like, there's just, and it's kind of creepy. You know what the, I mean? Yeah. Uh, the, the bit where he's swallowed by the whale in this, mm-hmm. it made me think of, uh, Baron Munchausen. Baron. Terry mean? Gilliam movie, Baron Munchausen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where they get swallowed by that whale and they go inside and it's a, you know, derelict ship and the guys are in there playing poker until they die. Right. Uh, I don't know. And it just, it's, it's a great book. If you're a Hellboy fan, obviously you're going to buy this already. The only problem I could see, and this is just me doing the whole devil's advocate thing, because we don't mm-hmm. want to just sit here and say, oh, it's an amazing book for another 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, this book isn't going to convert anybody to a Hellboy fan. You don't think so? No. And I think this is a horrible, uh, first Hellboy book to give anybody. Right. Cause you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. They don't realize that, hey, you know what? This ties in. Right. Well, it's hard to think, like, where else do you start with Hellboy besides Seed of Destruction? You know what I mean? Like, You, you have to. You right. have to. I mean, the, so many comic books I see uh, advertised as, oh, you know, great jumping on point or, you know, wonderful place for new readers to come on board. I don't think Hellboy can say that about no. anything except for his first arc. Right. Because I mean, it sets everything, everything has been building on that. Right. It's set up from 100% there. Right. And Hellboy, it's not the type of book where, like, the inside front cover is going to be like, you know, in, in, in 1942, Hellboy was, he emerged from a German satanic ritual. There's right. no snap recap for Hellboy. No. Maybe there should be. Well, and the other turnoff with this book would be, too, is that, um, it is an original graphic novel. It's not, it's not a collected, or a collection of something or anything like that. Right. And it's, uh, it's a hardcover. It's only 56 pages and it's 15 bucks. Yeah. And. God, how much is that per page? Um, That's not cheap. No. Um, like I said, the reason, I mean, I wanted it to begin with and the reason I ended up buying it that day, like the day I got it the day it came out was because I got the money from selling back the new mutant stuff. Right. And you, I bought. You, you would have waited for uh, like a soft, softback? Maybe. Um, but I was, I've been waiting for the House of the Living, uh, Living Dead to go softback for a long time and it never has. Um, but I ended up finding that at, uh, Second and Charles. Okay. Um, and, and I got that for like six bucks there. So, I mean, I mean, I'll easily admit that, you know, I'm not saying I'm a cheapskate, but for $56, it's, it's, or I'm sorry, for $15, it's hard to imagine that you're getting 56 pages of story, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's not a it's not a good page count for you. <laughs> it's well done, and I think it's beautiful, and I like it a lot. But it's not the best place to start on. And, and I'm not like trying to diminish what he's wanting to do or anything because he's he's been able to write his own ticket for a long right. time. Right, and so. I, I like I said, I'm not slamming on the book. I just thought, well, let's look at this from a different angle because clearly, you know, we're both fans. We both liked it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we've dropped some money here. Um, at least one of us did, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, it's just, it's a bad jumping on point for people, and it's not going to convert anyone. Um, and you, you hear about, you know, uh, diminishing returns and dwindling markets and all this. Um, does Hellboy not have to worry about that? Oh. And I also, think this, this, kind of ties into, this kind of ties into something, uh, a text you sent me today about the second issue of uh, the new Sandman series. Right. The way it's been pushed back, God, what, five, four months? 
Well, the first one came out uh, at the very end of October. Yeah. The the third or the second one is it was supposed to be bi-monthly, so it wasn't supposed to come out until January, anyways. And then so now that it's coming out February, so it's a three months. But still, that book had a a built-in fan base. Those people were there; they were waiting in line with their money. Right. There were some guaranteed sales, and the same can probably be said with Hellboy. But how do those books convert, not convert, but find new readers? Is it just the trades are always in print? Yeah, because... Word of mouth. It has to be. I think DC is always constantly uh, reprinting um, the Sandman trades to make sure that they're always in print, because I I know I've seen three or four different covers or, like, you know, bindings of them and everything, too. Um, So those are constantly available, and I, I think... If you haven't, you should at least read the first one, because if you're not hooked after the first one of Sandman, then don't even bother. I read the first one, because... Um, Preludes and Nocturnes? Yep, my uh, the one with Sam Keith on art. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother-in-law picked it up at a yard sale or something. Oh, nice. And uh, I read it, and I thought, eh, this is okay. And you never got, went any further than that? Nope. <laughs> Just, How long ago was that? It's not my thing. Uh, we were in this house, so last five, six years. Okay, I got you. So n- not when you were in a different state. Nope. Gotcha. Nope. I was I was over thirty. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot. I'm sure if I, I would have read it when it was coming out, I would have would have thought right. more of it. But yeah, so um, I mean, so we both like the book. It's just it's hard to get a new reader into that book. There's some amazing visual things that happen in this where uh, there there's this uh, interplay in the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Oh, see he, sees, he sees his future self, and then you you see that the ringmaster and the uh, semi naked lady become themselves as well. I mean, there's just amazing storytelling in in this book. Uh, like I said, the the thing with them going inside the whale, it's a good book if you're already a Hellboy fan. Do you think that if some like so if you're a casual fan, like maybe you don't maybe you know of Hellboy. But, like, you just pick it up and you start looking through. You're like, well, this is really interesting. I have no clue what's going on. Have you ever wanted, like, when you see, when you read a book like that or whenever you've ran across that, do you ever go back to the beginning to try to find out where it came from? I'm not sure when the last time I ever found myself in a situation like that was. You've been a fan for so long, it's really tough. Yeah. See, and because I'm newer to this, I can think of, you know, when I first started uh, buying the Green Lantern series, because that's what brought me back into comics, and you know, just I don't I don't remember specifically why, um, but I'm like, oh, cool, the original, like not the original Green Lantern, but like you know, the classic Green Lantern is coming back. Yeah. And and I'm like, I'll I'll, I'll read this miniseries, and then you start reading about that, and you're like, well, where does this come from? And that because I got into that, and then I wanted to follow Jeff Johns because I enjoyed his writing at the time. I'm like, you know, I started reading Infinite Crisis, and I'm like, well, who are these other characters? Well, then I go and I buy Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm starting to go through. I got sucked into the DC history so much, you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I was, I'm like, I'm what DC was counting on at that time, you know? So, <laughs> well, looking over my uh, uh, shelf of trades, I've got a lot of the early uh, um, fables. So yeah. clearly, and I can't remember at what point it was. Uh, I bought an issue of Fables because I remember thinking, you know, it's that whole thing about, you know, McDonald's, you know, 100 million people can't be wrong. 
So I thought, well, let me let me try an issue of Fables, and uh, showed it to my wife, and we we both got hooked, mm-hmm. and started buying the monthly from there, and then went back and bought all the trades. But <laughs> after my six month hiatus from comics, uh, never went back to buying the monthly on Fables, and never got the trades because it was at a lull. You know, it was one of those in-between important stories we just never cared about. And I think, didn't uh, Bill Willingham just say that the series are going to come to an end? He, yep. he was tired of doing it as a monthly comic. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think uh, I think you might have said something around uh, that they might just do standalone graphic novels or something for it now, yeah. too. And is Unwritten attached to it some way, too? Yeah, there's a crossover. Okay. No, I think the unwritten might have a. It's not just a crossover. I thought it's now being declared a spinoff series from it. Oh, is it? Maybe, maybe because of the story. Maybe it's like an an, an opposite spectrum of it or something. I don't know. I, no I mean, idea. I know Willingham has nothing to do with it. I know it's um. Isn't that Milligan and Peter Gross? No, it's not Milligan. Okay, I, I can't remember who it is then. Uh, but I know it's Peter Gross who did the artwork. So yeah. Um, but anyways. Yeah, it's, 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 you think you'll go back and, uh, get the fable trades though? Um. To finish it out just to see where the story ends? Yeah, I, there was a problem. Have you read any of the fable comics? I've read the first two trades. There, there was this high point they reached with the frog prince. And that was just, it was almost the perfect comic at the time. Hmm. You know, I mean, it was, it was hitting all the right notes. There was plenty of action, you know, the, the story was spread across like nine different worlds, and you had all these characters doing these little side missions. Like they were in the middle of a war, right? And then that was over, and then it went back to this, you know, politic type of thing where they're just hanging out, deciding, you know, who's going to live in the farm, and they brought in this new big bad villain that didn't do much for me. <laughs> So. And then and then defeated him when when it was convenient, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, it reminds me of um, I was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. It's like you know, there's always like the next big villain. Yeah. And uh, after they got through the middle part of the show, it was called the Cell Saga, and Cell was this perfect android and all this other stuff, and they defeated. And then it's like there's an even bigger bad guy now, and his name's Majin Buu, and they're like, this is the worst bad guy ever. And he's, and he's supposed to be more badass. And, he, and then it became like, well, he transforms three different times, and that's what really makes it different. Yeah. And I'm like, you already did that before. So there, There's a reason the Joker keeps fighting Batman. Right. He's a good villain. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, well, what, if, what if there was a guy slightly crazier than the Joker? It would not work out well. Like, that would be like, wait, there's somebody crazier than the Joker? Like, that doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> What's his name? Insane Bob. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's Sideways Bob from yes. the old uh, Wildstorm comics. Well, here, and speaking of villains, and let me ask you about this, since you, you know we, we both read Hellboy so much. Do you think Rasputin comes back into the p- picture at some point in time? I, I since think, he's in hell? Uh, yeah, I think he has to. Because he is a very iconic villain. Yeah. And he's creepy as fuck. <laughs> yes. Like even in even in uh just the movie, like the 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 guy who played Rasputin was just kind of creepy. Yeah. And I kind oh, of and the, it, the part at the end there where like the tentacles are breaking through his skin and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then he rises out of the blood and everything like that too. Yeah. Oh man, good stuff. I, you know what would get me off my ass and back into a comic shop in a heartbeat? What's that? If Roger came back. Oh, 
Oh my god, the uh, the homunculus. Yep. I was so sad when he died. That is, there's, I mean, he I was a great character. Oh god, I came, I came so close to crying. Oh, and I'll tell you what though, Mike Mignola, and he did this so low key in that in that BPRD book is like he wrote the epilogue to, or he drew the epilogue to yep. Roger. He doesn't even credit himself in the book. Like it's not credited. Like I've I've searched everywhere. I can't see special epilogue by Mike Mignola or anything, and nothing. He just slowly just sends that character off in the sunset. You're like, Roger, please come back. Yep. Just come back. Oh. <laughs> like, and the the bit with you know, him as a baby. Yeah. Holding that ball. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, Roger, yeah. you're such such a, a a pure spirit. You know, such a good person. Man, and you're not a person. Yeah, but he was better than the actual right. humans. Sad. Yeah, very sad. So we'll, sad. We'll, we'll see. But there's uh, they got a lot of stuff going on. Like I think the end game's nigh. I mean, I don't think well, it's I, the last last time I read a B- BPRD is uh, right when uh, Abe got shot in the head. Okay. Like he I was in, he was in the tank, and they're like, "Is he going to get any better? We don't know." Said so, I understand. Like he's mutated even more and escaped and whatever. I need to get back into that. Because that, that was a book I was... And now Ape Sapien has his own ongoing book, too. Does he now? Yep. There's a lot. There's too too that, many books. I know. That that world is growing, and it's just it's so good, too. Like, I thought, man, they're going to spread themselves thin. They haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, is, is Arcudi still doing BPRD? Yep. Okay. And he's, and he's co-writing uh, the uh, Ape Sapien book, too. He's, he's found his voice with that character, I think. Well, does Abe have a different voice? Is he a different person now? No, uh, what I'm saying, no, I'm saying John Arcudi. He like, I know, I know, but I'm saying, is, has Abe changed? I don't know, I, I, I haven't been, I haven't followed up with BPRD in a while. Shame on you, Mike. I know. Neither have I, so shame, shame on me as well. <laughs> uh, it's, I want to catch up. The last thing I read from them, and the reason I picked it up is, uh, I, I picked up the, um, what was it? The Of Monsters miniseries, because Cameron Stewart did the artwork, and he yeah. co-wrote it with, um, and there was about this, uh, did you read that one? No. It, um, it had this girl who has been interning, uh, in, well, not interning, but she had, she was a new person in BPRD and she was working under Liz Sherman for a while. And she's supposed to be like, um, she had to go do this exorcism, uh, for this girl who was possessed by some like Lord of Hell or something. And, uh, you know, once she gets through the exorcism, like, she's like, she's like, okay, I know how to fight this war now and everything, cause, you know, like, it's the whole hell on earth is the big thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm, as they introduce this character in just these two issues, I'm like, this character is going to be really important, I feel like. Like, I feel like she's supposed to be one of the combatants for, uh, to go against Hellboy if he actually takes the throne, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't just set this story up and and you have it really and like you know they 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 talk her about her being like this powerful psychic and all this other stuff I'm like you don't just set that up for no reason there's something that's going to happen with this later on maybe she maybe it's not hellboy maybe it's abe or somebody else because you know there's like they show abe evolving and you know becoming more was this the girl phoenix uh, i think it's um i can't remember name is i know this was uh bprd the exorcism or something like that yeah, I don't remember. All right, i'm looking it up real quick i can't think what it is i know we're kind of spilling over here but um it was a really good story yeah 
Um, well, let's go ahead and get ready for our goodbyes while I look this up then, so. Sounds go good. Taking a break. Alright. And we are back just to say goodbye. Goodbye, Bruce. That's it. See ya. Bye, Mike. Um, this was a, this is a fun one. I, I like that we just gotta talk about, um, I don't know. I like talking about our past, about like where we came with comic books and everything. You know what I mean? And a little of the chit, little of the chat. Yeah, exactly. Little of the shit, little of that. <laughs> Shat. Shat. Ah. William Shatner. But um, no, it's uh, you know, anytime we can review a, a new Hellboy book, it's always a good day for me too. So. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's special. It's and we talked about one of the saddest moments in comics. Yeah, Roger. Poor little guy. Yeah. He'll, he's, I just hope he makes his way back at some point in time. Cause that is a, that is a great character. Like, I know he's kind of served his purpose through Hellboy and everything else, but I just want that character back cause he was great. I know, I know they've done a couple flashbacks on him. Yeah. But, um, I just want him back for good. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt anyone. Wouldn't, no. wouldn't destroy anything. And he's been gone long enough. Right. I mean, God, maybe six or seven years now. Hey, there's a comic death that's actually stood up for a while. Not that he, he didn't really die. He kind of just sat in his, uh, he's just hiding in his shell in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they, they've left it specifically open. They, they buried him. Yeah. Oh, they did bury him, didn't they? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Um, dot com. uh, break-ins on Facebook, break-ins on iTunes, break-ins mm. on the Twitter. The Twitter. I think on uh, the Twitter we are, uh, uh, what is it? The, the uh, Ash, or the underscore break-ins. Yep. Um, yeah. Go on. I was going to say, uh, Michael T. Adams the second on Twitter, Facebook, everything. I'm, I'm Bruce Hughes on everything. There you go. Um, we will be back-ish, two, <laughs> week, two weeks-ish when you hear from this. Um we're gonna make our own comics again eventually. Yeah, as soon as I can uh, get through uh, my last hell, and then I'll we'll, we'll, hopefully be good. So yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Bruce is uh, Bruce has got a lot of free work going on, or not free work, uh, freelance stuff going on. So which is good. So he's staying keep, busy. Yeah, people keep giving me money oh. to not draw. Hey, um, do you want do you want to talk about your submissions real quick, or uh, you want to? Yeah, uh, we we can say that for later, and then I'll. Hopefully have some more done, and we can uh, talk about them, and I'll post them at the same time. There you go. So that's something to look forward to, kids. Ooh. Dropped one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Kids, stay classy. Bye.